we'll get going here. So, all right, I think we're good to go. Father, I love you. I thank you for today. I thank you for uh, just loving us, Lord. I really do. I praise you for a church who um, loves you, uh, that wants to do uh, just the next right thing. Uh, Lord, I thank you for a class like the Passpoint class of people who uh, are excited about your ministry. They really want to be involved in what you're doing, uh, Lord, and uh, they really do want to uh, set themselves apart. Uh, just for for whatever you would call them to do, and so uh, Lord, it's uh, it's humbling to be a part of that. It's exciting to see how you work uh, in the lives of the people and uh, just grow them up and uh, just really uh, send them out, uh, use them in different ways. I pray for uh, just the several families in here who have. Uh, just students who are getting ready to uh, graduate HBI, and uh, that's a that's a big task, Lord. And there's a lot of things that are coming up in just the next couple weeks. And uh, Lord, we do just pray for them, and we pray that you would just use them in whatever way you would. And we also pray for uh, those who are uh, even now just mulling over the idea of maybe getting into something like that. And so I pray you would just speak to us today, Lord, as we just kind of recap some of the stuff we talked about a few weeks ago, and uh, that you would just uh, really um, prick our heart if if we really do find ourselves. Uh, in a in a state like the the, Corinth, the the church in Corinth was, and uh, Lord, we really don't want carnality to be something that's uh, manifest in our lives. So I do pray that you'd speak to us, Lord, that you would uh, get the honor and the glory. I do pray for uh, just Mark, uh, Lord, the passing of his mother, and just give him uh, just peace in the fact that uh, she's uh, she's doing better than he is now. So, uh, Lord, we do pray that you would just. Uh, I love on him through this and pray you just speak to us. Uh, use me, Lord. Just put me out of the way. I don't really have a lot to say, uh, but I know that your word does, so I pray that you just get the honor and the glory in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, so if you've got your Bibles, open up to uh, the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 3. So it was, uh, I think, three weeks ago. It was the morning of the vision conference um, that I started this, and like normal, I didn't get through it. There were... There were too many questions, y'all talked too much, and so I blame it on you that we didn't get done. Um, but either way, probably not. Um, but we started uh, we started looking at this kind of this section, and I spent kind of a lot of time setting it up, and I don't have time to do that today because I, I do want to get done today, which we should. Um, but we kind of I, I kind of titled it if you, if you want a title or whatever. It was just kind of a, a carnality self examination, is what it was, and. I use the example, and again, I don't have time to set it all up, but you know, when, when you have a, a child or a toddler, a uh, baby, that seems to be progressing, I guess would be the word you would want to use, a little slower than maybe other kids around them. They're not walking quite as soon. They're not maybe talking quite as soon, you know, maybe whatever it is. Uh, you know, we look at that, and I don't know that there's anybody that's just like, oh my gosh, my kid will never learn how to walk. You know, we don't, we don't think that because we understand that in time, in their own time, they will. Right. Uh, I, I use the example. I'm pretty sure there was there was a point in our life that I looked at Paige and I'm like, I don't know that Brenton will ever talk. He was like way past the age and he just never did. And it was just, you know, he was just behind in that area. Man, when he did start talking, though, he talked a lot. And now he's you know making up for the, the lost time of all the time he did talk because he's kind of like I am now. He's very doesn't say much unless he unless he has to. But uh, anyway, we, we when we have a child like that, we would just say that what, you know, what? Well, They'll figure it out. It's not that big of a deal, right? And so then I use the analogy of, you know, when we have a teen who seems to always say something at the wrong time, always speak out of turn, um, you know, just hasn't, you know, we, we see teens sometimes that are just like, they're, they're just not quite, they're not quite caught up with maybe others in, in their, 
uh, area. What? Yeah, you know, maybe they uh, lack a filter at all. You know, we're not talking about a good filter, but just like a filter at all. And, you know, we, we don't look at them and say, oh my gosh, they're never going to get it, right? We just say that they're immature, right? And all teens eventually mature out of it, right? All kids eventually grow up. Sometimes it takes others longer. You know, sometimes kids grow up extremely fast. Sometimes they're forced to grow up extremely fast. Sometimes they, uh, you know, they just do. Sometimes you see teens and it's just like, for one, you don't look like you're only 13, right? And I definitely don't act like you're only 13. You know, but then there's other times that it's like, oh, you're 21? I thought you were 16 because of the way you were acting. And so, you know, there's the different thing. But we, we look at them and we just say they're immature, but they'll figure it out, right? They'll get there. But then I use the example of, you know, there's times that in the church you'll have somebody who's been saved for five years, ten years, maybe even twenty years, and they're still acting like, you know, a child. They're still acting like a child. They're still acting like a teen in Christ. They still have no filter, right? Spiritual filter. They still do all these things. The difference between, oh, they'll figure it out, oh, they're just immature, they'll figure it out, is... You know, we call a person like that carnal, right? And that's what the church in Corinth was, is they were a very carnal church. And so the difference between a carnal, uh, I'm sorry, uh, the, the difference between, you know, a child who just can't grow up or hasn't grown up yet or a teen who hasn't figured it out yet is generally a carnal Christian, um, especially in a church like this, they have all the tools to not be that way. They just choose to not, right? And so at the end of the day, it's on them. Now, I understand there are some Christians who don't have an environment maybe like HBF where, you know, there's, you know, if you want to use the like the plant analogy, Pam would really track with this, right? Because she's like the, the plant lady. Uh, I don't know how else to say it. The plant whisperer, that's what we should call her. <laughs> crazy. She's the crazy plant lady. She grew like 600 tomato plants, and then she was like, oh, they're going to get big. Like, <laughs> it's crazy. Anyway, uh, I totally forgot where I was going with this now. Uh, oh, yeah, 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 squirrels, right. Uh, to put like lattice, you know, sometimes things need lattice to grow, and they need something to, to cling to as it grows up. At HBF, there's lattice everywhere. If you want to take the next step in whatever growth is, if it's ministry, uh, if it's learning the Bible, if it's learning how to uh, be a better spouse or be a better parent or whatever, there's all that here. And so the excuse of, I just didn't know any better after you've been saved for 7, 8, 10, 12, 15 years, um, I'll be very politically incorrect and tell you that's BS. Like that, that doesn't work around you. That argument doesn't, that doesn't hold water here, right? Because it's available for everybody. I've seen people who got saved and they just like, they run with it because it's all available. And so it's on you. And so we don't want to be a carnal church like the church in first Corinthians was. And so, uh, when we say carnality, I gave you the definition the last time, and it's basically a preoccupation with, this is if you look it up online, um, a preoccupation with or indulgence in the flesh or the body and its passions and its appetites. That's what carnality is. You're just caught up in the flesh, right? And so to, to, to build this whole thing up, uh, I told you to flip to Colossians, but I'm going to uh, flip, uh, or not Colossians, to Corinthians. Uh, the book of Romans you don't have to turn there, but the book of uh, Romans uh, chapter 7, I had it there and I just shut my Bible. That's cool. Um, sorry. 
I don't have it written down, so I've got to find it. Uh, the book of Romans chapter 7. We know this is kind of like the Dr. Seuss chapter. Uh, Romans 7, verse 18 to 20 says, For I know that in me, Paul is talking, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the will, or for the good that I would, I do not, but the evil that I would uh, not, that I that do I. Oh my gosh, I can't, it's Dr. Seuss. Now if I do that which I would not, it is no more uh, I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. Paul says, hey, we've all got this skin on, and our skin likes to do what? Eat cheeseburgers and biscuits and gravy and Mexican food on church cleaning nights, right? Uh, we have our skin on that likes to uh, sometimes look at things we ought not and think things we ought not and, you know, uh, eat too much and, you know, all these different things. It's your flesh. It wants to things that, say things that shouldn't, do things that shouldn't, and that's just it. And Paul says, hey, we've all got this battle going on, right? And so the difference between a... Let me back up. We all, not just some of us, Paul made this very clear in Romans, we all are going to battle our flesh. Like, is there anybody in here that's just like, you know what, since I got saved, it's really not much of a challenge. Like, God just took that from me. You know, Brian Clark used to say that all the time. You know, he would, we would be talking about something and he would just get completely sober-faced because that's how Brian is and he's totally joking. He'd be like, I don't know what you're talking about, man. God just must took that from me when I got saved. And I'm like, you're a total jerk, man. And then he would laugh, and he's like, obviously kidding. But, you know, I, it's just kind of Brian. Uh, I saw Mickey back there laughing because she knows exactly what I'm talking about. He was just like, he's like, no, God took that from me when I got saved. And I'm like, no, he didn't, man, because we all fight it. But uh, we all battle with our flesh. The difference between a carnal and a mature Christian is one learns to die to self and the other does not. The difference between a carnal and a mature Christian is one of them learns that they're not in control and the other doesn't. Right? They learn to die to self and the other doesn't. Stay in, in the book of Romans to answer the same question. Uh, Romans chapter 6 and verse 1 and 2, Paul was, you know, he knows he's getting ready to tell you all about the flesh. And in verse 6, he says, What shall we say then? Shall we just continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How that we that are dead, or how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? I understand you've got flesh on. I understand you want to do things that you shouldn't. But how are we that are saved going to continue to live like we're not? Well, we can't. That's the whole point. Right? That's the difference between carnality and maturity. Does that mean that you're always going to do the right thing? Probably not. But hopefully you learn from the things that you did that it's like, yeah, that didn't turn out well. Right? Uh, maybe I shouldn't do that next time. Uh, when I did this, it, there were a lot of uh, adverse repercussions that came with it. And that was not good. Right? That's, the whole, that's what a mature believer does. They learn from their mistakes. A really mature Christian learns from other people's mistakes. You know, too often we think, well, just because it didn't work for you, I'll do it anyway, right? A lot of times teens will do that. Well, just because it didn't work out for you doesn't mean that I can't figure it out. Like, I lived that life. I'm like, yeah, okay, Dad. You, Yeah, I understand. And, you know, I'll just keep butting my head into the wall. Eventually, you know, I didn't learn from other people's mistakes, but I learned from my own, right? And so, but the difference between a mature believer and a carnal believer is one of them learns that I've got to die to self and the other never does. And that was what was going on in... The book of uh, 1 Corinthians, Paul calls them out. He's like, you guys are living in it. It's not good, right? So uh, flip back. I told you guys to get there. I'll flip to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 3. Let's just read this little bit, and then I'm going to 
you know, blow through the stuff that we've already talked about, and then we're going to uh, get into the rest of this. So, First Corinthians chapter three, verse one to eight says, "And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but uh, but as unto, uh, unto carnal, even as unto babes of Christ." He's like, I can't even act like you guys are mature because you're not, right? It's like walking into uh, the youth ministry and be like, you know what, guys, I'm not even going to act like you're adults because you're acting like a bunch. of kids right now and you know he's just very clear and i don't know i haven't been in the youth forever i have no idea i'm just saying like he's just very blunt in what he's saying i'm not even going to pretend like you guys are super spiritual and talk to you like that you're acting like a bunch of babies that's basically what he says Verse 2, For I have, fed you, uh, I have fed you with milk, but not with meat. For hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither, uh, na- neither yet now are you able. You're still not. For you are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men? Um, for while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Paulus, are you not carnal? Uh, are ye not uh, carnal? Who is uh, Who then is Paul? Who is Apollos? But ministers of him you believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. I have planted Apollos water, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that give the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor." Verse uh, chapter three has a lot of different. It, it really blocks into different pieces. But this first kind of piece, he really just breaks it down, and he's just like, "You guys are really struggling because you're very carnal, and you just can't get out of your own way." And so, you know, when we when we start to talk about this, you need to know. I mean, let me just ask you: Do you know what we we keep saying carnality and all these different things, right? And it's an indulgence of uh, you know the flesh and all these different things. Do you know what? carnality looks like in a believer you know obviously carnality in a lost person might look like well we just we would just say they're acting lost right but what what does carnality look like in a believer well these are some of the things we're going to talk about so i just read that so uh, i had i don't how many did we get through last time does anybody know we got through four of them huh we got through four okay uh so i have six six man i can't talk today sorry six self-checks to measure your carnality level Right, and so we got through four of these last time. Most of you guys were here, so you know where I'm going with this. I'm going to move very quickly through the first four because I want to get done. So six self checks to measure your carnality level, and the one sure way to get to get it out of your life. So the first one, in verse one and two, uh, he says, "And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as in a spiritual, but as in carnal, even as in the babes of Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you are not able to bear it, neither are you not yet now able." The first one is like, you want to self check on your carnality level? Am I able to feed myself? Well, yeah, like, obviously, look at me. I eat plenty, right? That's not what we're talking about. Am I able to, if for whatever reason the church shut down, if for whatever reason you couldn't come to, to class, or you couldn't come and hear the preaching, are you able to feed yourself spiritually? Because if you can't, that's a problem, right? Well, I, I read it, but it doesn't really make any sense. If you're not able to feed yourself, that's a problem, right? That's that's the measure of a carnal Christian. So, and then kind of a, each one of these has kind of like a next level question. And so the next question would be, if you want to get a little deeper into this, is what am I feeding myself? Oh yeah, I can I can teach myself out of the Bible. Okay, well, what did you learn this week, right? Oh well, you know, I learned that. I'm not even going to say that. Whatever my. I'm guessing whatever you spent a lot of your time with was not the Bible, right? Maybe it was your Pinterest app or maybe it was your whatever. I don't know. Everybody's got different things that they're into, whatever. You know. So are you able to feed yourself? Okay, well then what, what are you feeding yourself? What did you learn? What have you been able to you know, deduct from the Word of God? Because that's on you. Number two, <coughs> I'm not going to spend a lot of time on these first four. So number two, 
uh, in verse 3, and there's several of them out of verse 3. He says, Be you at carnal, whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions. Are you not carnal and walk as men? So the, the, the next self-check to measure your carnality level is, uh, do I have envy in my life? Alright, do you look at things and like, man, I really wish I could have that, or I, I really need that, or I should have that. It's not really just jealousy, but it's envy. Like, I, I really wish I had that relationship with my spouse, because that's really what envy is. It's not so much about things, but it's a, it's a little deeper level. You know, it's like, I, I wish my husband treated me like, I wish my wife did that, I wish my kids acted like that, I wish we were in that situation. It's not so much material things, um, but it's just envy. I, I have envy towards that, okay? So, that that's not godly. You should be able to just knock those things out. Who cares where God has you? Like, obviously you do. But like, when you when you look at it in the sense of like, well, I really wish that I could have this, or I really wish that I could do that. God has each one of you, go back to two weeks ago, or... Was it last week? I don't even remember. Two weeks ago, because Easter was last week, God has you where you're at for a purpose. And we talked about God sent you here to preserve life. It doesn't matter if you're in this situation, that, that, or whatever. Wherever you're at, God has you there for a purpose. So learn how to like glorify God in that, like Joseph did. Go back and listen to that if you missed it. So, uh, so am I able to uh, feed myself? Oh, I did that one. Am I? Do I have envy in my life? And then, then you're kind of your next level question: Have I ever envied godly things? Right. If you're going to envy something, man, envy a person's relationship with Christ and how you could, you know, mature into that. Not, oh my gosh, I wish I had that, but I'll never get there. Or not, well, if I was like that, I would be more. Not, not like that. But do you envy godly things? Right? Is, is that what you're desiring for your life? Number three, he goes on to say, uh, there's, there's strife. He's, so, uh, your, your third self-check is, is there any strife in my world? You know, some of you be like, is there any other world other than strife? Right? You know, there, there, there are seasons in life where it's just like, to explain it, that a tornado went through wouldn't do it justice. Like, it is just absolute crazy all the time. There's constant bickering, there's constant battling, there's constant strife, right? Nobody can get along, nobody can get anything done, right? You go through seasons like this in your marriage, I've heard, I've never been there, but you'll go through seasons like this with your, uh, uh, your kids at times, you'll go through seasons like this with your, uh, your workplace, all these different things where it's like, no matter what happens, it's just strife. You know, and that's what he's saying. He's like, in the church, that shouldn't be. Like, you should never think, man, I don't want to go to church because it's just going to be another argument. It's just going to be another whatever. Like, if that's the case, man, God forbid, make sure you check your heart first. And if that's, if that's the case, we need to get it figured out because that should not be your thought on the church. So, do I have, uh, is there any strife in my world? And kind of your next level question with that was, uh, what about my closest relationships? When I think about strife in the church, I think about making sure that relationships in the ministry are good. I think about making sure that, you know, everything's good to go. But too often we look past the things that are really close. You know, I'm, I'm concerned about making sure that there's no strife in, in the Passpoint ministry with different people and, you know, maybe in this ministry over here. But, you know, we gotta make sure that there's no strife at home first. Because if you ain't got the home right, you're never going to get anything else right. So that's kind of your... And go back and listen to all this. I had a lot more to say, but I don't have time So to, to recap it. So number four, and then we'll get slowed down here. So uh, he says, uh, For you are at carnal, for whereas there is yet a, uh, among you envying and strife and division. So uh, number four, uh, am I part of any divisions? Right? Are you causing any or are you... I don't, I don't know the word that I'm looking for. Uh, 
helping out with any divisions, right? Maybe you're not the cause of it, but you're sure not helping it, right? Yeah, you're not. Uh, it, yeah, it, it reminds me of uh, the uh, the scene in Fireproof. That's that's what it is. And this gal's at work, and uh, these people have no idea what's going on in her marriage, but they're just like chirping in her ear. They're just chirping in her ear. Oh, you don't understand what your husband's doing, this, that, and the other. And the gal, she's just trying to figure out life and figure out why her husband's acting different. And instead of like searching it out face to face, she starts hearing all this bickering. Like they're not a part of the division, but they're not helping it at all. Right. They're not seeing exactly what's going on. So don't ever find yourself just as a part of any division. Next level question with that. What lines have I drawn in the sand that I'm not willing to compromise on? I understand that we don't want to have division, right, in the church. But there are certain things, there are certain lines that you won't cross in my life. Or there will be a division, right? You're not going to come in here and blaspheme the Word of God, right? I'll listen to any opinion you have. I really will. I don't care. Like, you might be right. But there are certain things that I have a hard, fast stance on. You, you, you won't say something about my wife before, and without me saying, hold, hold the phone, man. Like, we're not going to go there, right? Uh, you, you won't blaspheme the Word of God, right? I won't allow someone to attack my kids without me at least, you know, what, what, what? You know, there are certain lines in the sand where there, there might have to be a division here. Obviously, there's reconciliation, Matthew chapter 18. We can get to the reconciliation part, but at some point, there has to be a line where you're just like, I'm not going to continue to allow you to push me and push me and push me and always be uh, the one retreating. You know, they, they say that everybody is either a, a fight or a flight kind of person, right? Somebody is just always willing to, that it doesn't matter what it is, we can fight about it, right? And it doesn't even have to be, uh, you know, fisticuffs. I mean, it could just be, we're going to argue about it. It could be whatever, you know. I'm the opposite of that. I'm the flight kind of guy. I'm, I really am. Like, for one, like, I don't need anybody to hit me in my face. Like, I'm good. I do that good enough. Like, we, when was it? We went out to the playground with the kids the other day. I, I hurt myself enough as it is. The playground. Like, I walked straight into the monkey bar. Big old goose egg on my head. I blame it on Paige because she didn't go with me. I took all the kids out there. There's like kids running around everywhere. And I'm, Someone, somebody hollers my name, I turn around and it's just like, bam! Like, the last thing I need is somebody to actually help me with that. Like, I do it enough on my own. You're either a fight or a flight kind of person, but the point is, even if you're a flight kind of person, there has to be something that you're, you're eventually gonna be like, okay, we're, we can't go any farther here. Like, you have to draw a line. And so, the point is, we don't want division in our life, we don't want division in our relationships, we don't want division in our church, but at, at some point, if you wanna get a little deeper, you all, everyone has somewhere that they're not willing to go. Everyone has something that's like, okay, you're not going to go that far, right? And so, I, I've, I've seen this in my life. Like, there's there's times that people will start to slowly take advantage of my wife and my wife's time, right? And it's like, some of it, I'll just, okay, she'll figure it out, right? I, Paige has good discernment. But then there's other times that it's like, okay, we're not going to go any farther with this, right? And so, obviously, when I say... Like, you're not going to take advantage of somebody. It doesn't always have to be a, like a verbal altercation. There will be times that I'm just like, okay, Paige, you, you, you're not going to do this anymore, right? I'm not going to allow this person to take advantage of your time or your resources anymore. We're out, right? And so there are times that you have to be willing to, like, this is as far as this goes, okay? So we don't want division, but also make sure you always are willing, you, you all, not willing, but you always have a stance of this is like, I have not, standards isn't the right word, but like I have, 
godly so far that I can go, right? And so you have to be careful with that. So anyway, we don't want any divisions. That's what's going on in the church at Corinth. Okay, so number five. The, the very end of, of verse 3. So I'm going to slow down here. So he says, For yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strifes and divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men? He's basically completely called them out. He's like, hey, I would talk to you as spiritual people, you know, because this is the church, but you're acting like a bunch of kids. So I'm not going to do that, right? I've even tried to give you like the most basic things and you still couldn't figure it out. And here's why, because you're carnal and there's strife and envying and divisions, all these things among you, and you look like men, right? So number five, do I look the same as the lost world? Do I look the same as the lost world? When you go to work, do people know that you are Christian because of what you say or what you do? Or either one. When you come to church, do people know that you're here because it's the right thing to do or because you're actually living it, you believe it? Like you, you you want to be a part of it, right? The, the lost world should not look like you. It, it honestly shouldn't. There is no way that somebody who spends more than just a few minutes with you, and I, I said that right, even just a few minutes with you without knowing there's something different about them. I don't know what it is. Uh, I don't know that I'm really that interested in it, but... Uh, the lost world should know that that's, that's not right. And especially the more time they spend around you, they should know exactly what's different. Oh, so you don't do this and you don't do that. And, oh, you don't, you don't talk about your wife like that. And that was one of the hardest things when I uh, worked. I still work uh, a lot. Uh, when I worked in the, uh, the, the lost world, per se, right? And I worked around a bunch of guys and uh, when I was up at the sandplant, it was the way that these guys would talk about uh, their wives and the things that they, it was just like, it just absolutely disgusted me. Like, man, come on. Like, you married this woman. Like, it was just, it was just terrible. And so, it was very, it was very quick that they realized you, you weren't going to do that around me because I was either going to leave or I was going to call you out on it one or the other. And so, uh, it took me a while to get bold enough, but I did. I'm like, come on, man. Did, did you not marry the woman? You know, there has to be... So, yeah. Um, do you look the same as the lost world? Because, like, I understand we need to make relationships with lost people uh, to get the gospel where it needs to go. That doesn't mean become the lost world to try to... It's, that's like saying, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start a ministry uh, to the local pub. Because, you know what? There's a lot of lost people there. Well, I, I have a good idea of what will happen to you. Right? The lost world, Satan has much more influence than you're going to have on them. That's just how it works. And so <clears throat> you can't look like the lost world. That's what he's saying. He's like, I, if, if it wasn't for the fact that you guys were getting together at church every week, I wouldn't know that you were Christians. Like, of all the things that he has called them out on, I think that's the worst. You know, he's like, oh, there's strife in the church. Oh, there's divisions in the church. All these different things. He's like, y'all look like, you, you look like the rest of everybody. You know, if somebody came in here on Sunday morning and Brian let him preach and he was just like, you know what, you all look like a bunch of lost people. Like, I would take offense to that. Because we, we are better than that. Not that we're better than other people, but we have, like, the, the way that we choose to live our life, the way that we choose to follow Christ, it's different. The next level question that would go with that is, if I couldn't talk, would the world know that I was different? If I couldn't talk, if it wasn't for the things that you said, would the are you still acting the fool? Or you could switch it. 
if all you could do was talk and they couldn't actually see the way you were living, you know, they, they all have to line up. Too often you've got these guys that will come into to school or to work or whatever, and they talk a really good game. Man, yeah, I'm, I'm, I go to church, I've got all this going on, and they, you sure couldn't tell it by the way they live. You sure couldn't tell it by, you know, the things that they say. And so make sure that it, you know, there's, it, it all lines up, that it's all tracking. And I understand you got, you guys, like, I'm preaching to the choir. You guys, these are basic things. But I told you at the very beginning of when we got into 1 Corinthians, this is kind of back to the basics because if we don't catch it now, then we will end up with a letter from Paul smacking us right in the teeth. That's not what you want, okay? So the, he's just, he's just, Plain and simple. Like the last thing I would want is somebody to call me out on some things like this. And so that's why we're looking at these things. So it's just a carnality self-check, okay? He goes on to say in verse 4, For a while one saith, I am of Paul, and another I am of Apollos. Are you not carnal? So he goes back to the same thing he pointed out in chapter 1. He's like, and some of you are like, oh, I follow this guy, and I follow this guy. Oh, this guy's more spiritual, so I'm following him. And he's like, are, are you guys not carnal? Like what is going on? Your next question, number six. Do I uh, do I look down on people if they think differently than I do? Now this one, this one might hit close to home to some people. And I don't have anybody in mind, so that's not what I meant. But this is what we as quote-unquote church people do. Right? Do I, do I look down on people if they think differently than I do? Oh, you don't... Oh, you don't do that. Oh, you... And it's not so much in the church per se, although it does happen in the church. Oh, you go to that class. Oh, or oh, you you you're a part of that ministry. Oh, you're doing that, and we like oh, you're you're kind of substandard to to me, right? Come on now. But here's what we really do: is oh, you go to that church. Oh, they're they're messed up, right? Oh oh oh, you're one of those hand raising people, right? <laughs> Has nothing to do with what we were talking about earlier, right? I'm telling you, you got to watch that thing, though. Uh, Tim Hawkins, it's funny. Oh, you know, oh, you're in that ministry. Oh, oh you want to work in the sound booth. Oh, you are you work with the kids. Oh, I get it, right? You know, oh, you go to an Assembly of God church, right? At, at the end of the day, right, there, there's lost people in this church the same way that there's lost people in those churches. You know, oh, you're a Catholic, right? Hey, guess what? I think most 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 Catholic people are probably lost. But I'll also tell you, I think there's some that are probably saved. They're just caught up in a bunch of works. And we as Christians, we're like, oh, you're following that guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. obviously, if I have the opportunity, I want to give you as much truth as I can. But man, I, I would rather you go to the Catholic church than to the bar, right? I'd rather you go, you know, I, people think I'm crazy when I'm like, oh, you know, I, obviously, I would rather you use the King James Bible. And I could give you a hundred plus reasons why, Right? I, I could like tell you to turn to verses that are in these other Bibles that aren't even there. They just take the whole thing out, the number and everything, right? I could give you reasons why, but honestly, I'd rather you read an NIV than nothing, right? At least it's something. And so I'm always going to be in that camp, okay? But the point is, we can't look down on people because it's like, yes, if you have opportunity, share truth with them, not condemningly. You know, one of my favorite things is if we're discipling somebody, if we have an opportunity to actually sit down with somebody, is to like show them why we do the things that we do. And then it's just like, oh, I, I'm starting to see why now. 
You know, or like this. There's nothing better than to see the light bulb come on in somebody's life. They're like, I think these people are nuts, right? And then, like, as they start to see why we do what we do, then it's just like, I guess I can kind of at least see it now. You know, and then as they continue to see it, oh, I, I, I see the benefits in it. So, uh, do I look down on people that think differently? Um, and then your next level question with that, because I got to get done. Am I allowing this thinking to affect God's ministry? Because that's what happens. Oh, you, you can't be a part of what we're doing here because, you know, you're following that guy or you listen to this guy on podcast or, you know, you use that Bible or whatever. Like, obviously there are certain things like you're not going to get in a teaching ministry around here using an NIV Bible. It just doesn't work like that. Right? And there, there are certain standards that, you know, we have as, as a church. But the point is like, am I allowing me looking down on people because they do things differently to affect God's ministry? Because that becomes a huge problem in the church, right? And so I understand some of these things like, oh, yeah, we don't have a lot of strife. We don't have a lot of divisions. But this one could really hit people right between the eyes because, you know, too often we're like, oh, you're not exactly like me, right? Oh, your kids do that. Oh, my gosh, right? I've never seen a kid throw a fit in my life. Are you kidding? Like, come on now. Like, I, we've been there, done that, bought the T-shirt, right? It, it's just like, that's, that's how it works. And so... Don't ever look at somebody, especially because here's what happens. Sometimes you'll look down on somebody because it's like, oh, they're struggling with that. And it's like, yeah, last week you were, you know. Oh, well, I've got victory on it now. <laughs> I can tell how much victory you have, right? <laughs> it's really showing. The point is like everybody's going to go. The adversary is a punk, right? And so just because you finally get victory over something, now he's going to let you have pride in it. Like that's worse off than where you were. And so you have to be careful being caught in this looking down on people um, because they think differently. You know, obviously we want people to understand the truth of the Word of God. Um, but I don't think that lost people are crazy because they don't. You know, if they don't, they don't. I just, I believe this is the truth. I can show you why I believe that. At the end of the day, it has to be your choice. God didn't force it down my throat. He allowed me to choose eventually. Don't look down on people because they think differently. Right? It doesn't change the way that I feel or the way that I believe, but, you know, it... You have to make that choice. I can show you why you should make that choice. I can show you the benefits of making that choice. I can show you the, uh, the downfalls of not making that choice. But at the end of the day, I'm not mad at you. Like, that's on you. I might be broken. Uh, I might be, you know, tore apart about it. But, like, I'm not going to look down on you for it. So, anyway, uh, we got to get to the end. So, those are, those are, you know, the six carnality checks in your life. Hopefully, we're not there. But here's what I really wanted to get to because Paul... You know, he circles back around. He calls them out, and he's like, man, you guys are messed up. Strife, divisions, you know, envying, all these different things, and you look like the lost world, all these different things. But Paul, he doesn't leave it like that. He doesn't just say, hey, this is what's going on. He says, here's a good way that you could change some of that. And here's the the one sure way to get carnality out in verses 5 to 8, and we'll be done. He says, who then is Paul, and who is Apollos? But ministers of whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. He's like, we, we both love the same God, so I don't know what you're getting so caught up about. I just totally lost my spot. Uh, yeah, so yeah. Uh, verse 6, I have planted, Apollos water, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that give the increase. Now that he that planteth, he that watereth are one. And every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. So we've looked at like what carnality looks like. You guys understand what carnality looks like. You can look around the church sometimes and you're just like, wow, your carnality is showing. You might want to cover that up, right? Uh, 
I'm not saying, you know. What? Hopefully it's not low cut. <laughs> We've looked at what carnality looks like. I didn't even mean it that way until I said it, and then I'm like, I, it kind of could be meant that way. Here's the one sure way to get carnality out. It's one word. It's humility. If carnality is this, humility is over here. Right? I mean, that's just the honest to God truth. If carnality looks like this, if it smells like that, if it appears in these circumstances, humility is the opposite. Like, it is the other side of the coin. Right? And so, what is humility? Right? And I was going to give you guys time to answer, but I'm not going to go over time very much. So, like, what, what is humility? And there, there's definitions for humility, but I'm just going to kind of like break it down the best that I can. Humility is, is this. Humility is when you understand, and don't take this wrong, but humility is when you understand that you're nothing and God is everything. Like, humility is when you understand that you can do nothing, but God can do anything. You might be like, well, watch me, I'll do something. Okay. Like, you might be able to, you know, it goes back to the old joke, you know, the scientist says to God, you know, I can, I, I can make anything that you can make. He's like, you know, God says, okay, here, I'm gonna make a person. And he like, breathes breath into man out of the dirt, right? And the scientist is like, okay, and he grabs the dirt, and God says, no, get your own dirt, right? <laughs> Right? You can do a lot of things, but it's in the power that God gave you to do it. Humility is understanding that you can't do anything, but God can do anything. Humility is understanding that the ministry has nothing to do with you and everything to do with God. That's what humility is. We get too caught up, oh, this is my ministry. No, it's not. It's God's ministry. And the more you start talking about it being yours, the less it is yours. Right? Humility is understanding that you alone will never be able to achieve anything near. You you can achieve some things, but you'll never be able to achieve anything near what you would be able to accomplish with the body of Christ around you and the power of God in you. That's what humility is. Humility is understanding that I might be able to do this, right? You know, use the example of like, so I I build things, right? We, We build houses, we do different things, right? I might be able to build this building. Okay. Humility is understanding that with the right people around me and the ability that God has given me, the power of God that's given me, we can do that much more together, right? That is understanding. Like, the ministry is going to be this and my ministry is going to be, you know, it's going to be perfect. And, you know, your ministry is never going to be anything other than you until you understand that you can accomplish so much more with the team that God has given you and the power of God that he's given you, right? That's what humility is. It's understanding that, honestly, you can't do anything on your own. It, that, that's what humility is. Humility is when the rest of the world says, hey, look at me. And you say, hey, look at God. Like, very often, very seldom do you see like a, a sports athlete, that's the word, right? Giving glory to God. Like, oh man, do you see all these things that I did? I'm like, yeah, you can do that because God gave you the ability to do that. You know, give it 20 years. You won't be able to do that anymore, I promise. Right? There's things I can't do anymore that I could do before. Like, it doesn't work like that. Give, it, it, it's not look at me, it's look at God. It's when you have the opportunity to have a quote-unquote name and instead all you want to do is talk about His name. Right? That's what humility is. 
That's that's what it is. We could, I could continue to give you definitions, but like those are just like tangible. Like that is what humility is. It's understanding that you aren't anything, but God is everything, and He can make you something. But it's only through humility that it happens, right? So, the question just to end with is, you know, are you carnal or are you humble? One or the other. Like you have to choose. That's a daily question too. It's not just like a, <coughs> oh, I've arrived at the. No longer carnal stage in my life. Okay, that's what, that, that's what he's doing. Paul calls these guys out. He's like, "Hey, there's there's a way that you can be better, right?" And when, when you get to the book of Second Corinthians, you see that they've grown, but he's got a lot more things to call them out on first. So uh, we're going to keep moving uh, next week in uh, chapter three. So uh, we'll go from there. So let's pray and we'll get out of here and. Uh, Go from there. Father, I love you. I thank you for today. Uh, Lord, I do thank you for your word. And Lord, I do pray that if if there's any of these things that we kind of see in our own lives or uh, that we would just really um, just allow humility in our life to, to squelch it, Lord. We, we really aren't anything without you. We can't do anything apart from you. But um, Lord, when we submit to you and we really lay it all down, Lord, you're, you're willing to use us. You're willing to even give us a, a, a great name. Um, Lord, but hopefully we're willing to just just cast the glory right back to you. So I pray that you just uh, allow these things to just kind of penetrate and saturate our heart, that you get the honor and the glory, Lord. I pray for Pastor Brian as he preaches today. I pray that the Word of God is uh, just powerful. I pray that lives are changed. So send us out this week as uh, lights in a dark world, that you get the honor and the glory from our lives. In Christ's name, amen.